Red Oaks premiered on August 28th of 2014. So let's put 29 minutes on the clock. Pilot study, Chris and Grimes. They're talking all of your favorite shows. But only the pilot episode. That means the first show, in case you didn't know. You never know what show they're going to talk about. But they're only going to talk about the first one. And that's the premise behind Pilot Study. Welcome to Pilot Study. My name is Chris Lantina and I am your host and I am joined as always by the one and only Grimes. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a nice little Sunday. It's a lazy Sunday. It's still warm in Pennsylvania. I, I don't know how or why. It was like 60 today. It's almost like there's some weird thing happening with I don't know, the climate. <laughs> no. Somehow changing. I don't know. Nope. You're wrong. <laughs> totally wrong. So, Red Oaks. Let's jump right into it. First scene, we have our two main characters. One played by Craig Roberts, who I noticed from Neighbors. Had a very funny role in Neighbors. And another guy by the name of Richard Kind. Now, Kind is a longtime TV veteran. He's been in a whole bunch of movies too. He's acted in a ton of shit over the years, but uh, you were you were kind of wondering where you knew him from. And first off, he is cousin Andy in Curb Your Enthusiasm, for sure. And I just I find, I just got to the first appearance of him actually, and it is the episode where Larry's mother dies, mm-hmm. and she's buried in like the bad part of the cemetery. Yes, because like she has a tattoo or something, right? Yes, there's certain um, Jewish laws that prevent burial if you have tattoos. So, <laughs> so I'm anyway, not sure all about it, but I, I get the gist from being a, a. If you're a Larry David fan, you just learn a lot about Judaism from yeah. osmosis. But uh, so Richard Kind shows up in that, and another one that you probably know him from is that he shows up in a bunch of episodes of Scrubs as yes. the guy who is continually sick. The hypochondriac who wants a full body scan. Tries to sue Turk. Right. So he plays the father who loves Asian women in the show. Um, and that's kind of where uh, we enter into this scene where they're playing tennis. The father almost dies, um, kind of spills all his life secrets, lives, of course, for sake of, <laughs> for sake of comedy. And we're kind of off. So do you want to give the uh, people a little, uh, little primer on what Red Oaks is about and just generally pass that opening scene? Right. Well, um, Red Oaks is about, I would say it's a coming of age comedy. It's set in the 80s of a kid who seems to be between his um, senior year in high school and his freshman year of college. And he has this summer job as a tennis pro at a country club. And Paul Reiser owns the club. Mm -hmm. So that's another big get. And Paul Reiser was with Richard Kind. In that show, Mad About You. That's where people know Paul Reiser from. Oh, right, right. He was in that. He was also in, Richard Kind was also in Spin City. Yeah, he had a big role in that show. He was like a main character in that. Yeah. But anyway, so this kid, um, you know, he has this girlfriend who also works at a resort. But then there's this beautiful mystery vixen um, who he's also into at the same resort. Or country club, I should say, not resort. And um, so, you know, hilarity ensues. Summer job comedy, high school, college age. You get the point. A clear Caddyshack. Um, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of references <laughs> and ripoffs and stuff. Uh, so, let's see, what should we get into first? Well, I, I guess we should hit on some more of the people that are actually in the show. We have Jennifer Grey, 
Uh, she yeah. play, she plays the mother from Dirty Dancing. And, and I must say, still a beautiful lady. Oh my lord! I was about to say that she is still gorgeous. Just a great she looking must be girl. Fifty. Uh, close. Yeah, I would think so. Forty, fifty. We have, of course, Paul Reiser. Um, one person I wanted to point out that you're certainly thrilled is in the show is the brother of Seth Meyers, Josh Meyers. <laughs> Playing Matthew McConaughey <laughs> in um, Days Been Confused as best he can. So I didn't know he, like, I knew he showed up on Seth Meyers' Late Show a few times, but I thought that was just because, like, he has a funny brother. I didn't know that he was in, like, Mad TV for a few years yeah. and has been in, like, a lot of comedy troupe type stuff over the years. He's definitely his brother's like classic little brother syndrome. Everything he does is second best to his boy Seth. <laughs> and you they... know, Seth runs it on NBC, and this dude's on Mad TV, which I think was funny too. You know, I liked Mad TV sometimes more. Uh, Key and Peele come from Mad TV, so it's not like it's bad. Are we gonna do like a sketch? Are we? Can we do pilots for sketch shows? Would I that, think so. I mean, sense? In Loving Color, SNL, Mad TV, and uh, Portlandia. There you go. Do, do they really set up anything though? I feel like those would change like no, from episode no, to episode. Yeah, it will still be fun. Who cares? But anyways, um, yeah, Myers. Not as bad. <laughs> I would be more angry if it was Seth. I wouldn't watch it. I would have shut it off. <laughs> yeah, Seth Myers is not our favorite. I'll, we'll let you have a, a a beef in a future episode once he does something really stupid. So, so anyway, those, those, those are probably the big names. We have the. Um, the accompanying tennis pro who I'll have to get to his name eventually in my notes, but um, pretty funny guy. I his believe. character is named Nasser. Nasser? But I don't know. His, yeah. I thought, his, I don't I thought know. his name was Nash. I thought it was Nasser. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. We'll have, to, we'll have to look later. Maybe I should have paid attention. Um, some of the principal people behind the scenes on this one, David Gordon Green directed the pilot. He also directed Pineapple Express, Prince Avalanche. Eastbound um, and Down. Yeah, Eastbound and Down episodes. It has a couple of big producers on it, but I don't feel their influence a ton. It's almost like, I almost feel like we shouldn't even mention them, but Steven Soderbergh is a executive producer. Again, nothing in this show feels Soderbergh-y. No. So, and Greg it's Jake, not like um, Ocean's Eleven. No, no, there's no big heist, and there's no um, there's no male strippers. So, and Greg Jacobs is also listed as a producer. He is a long time. He worked uh, with Soderbergh since the early '90s, but he recently directed Magic Mike XXL. So, <laughs> and kind of another big name in there, but. Um, yeah, those are those are really the principal people behind it, and I guess we should just get into kind of what we thought. You know, the first thing I noticed, and this is kind of weird, is that I noticed there was nudity in the show, and because it's like in the warning prior on Amazon, right, and right. it just it just kind of shocked me, I guess, a little bit. Like nudity right in the pilot of like a comedy that you would expect kids to watch. Yeah, but I think they're really trying to hit more college than high school and, and younger. Yes, yeah, that's the vibe I got anyway. They want this to be like the cool show that you watch, you know, whatever with your buddies. Yeah, I, th I think so as well. The but it was, you know, I wasn't expecting it, other than the warning, like you said. But I guess my first question to you to kind of to really get us started on like the themes and how they pulled everything off would be so the '80s setting. We've kind we kind of ran into this with Heiston and that it really felt like they were like overreaching to fit into like a certain time period or whatever. How do you think they handled the '80s, the '80s time period in here? Because that can that can be disastrous. That can be like that Topher Grace movie, 
what's what is that movie called? It's something about like something tonight. Take me home tonight. Yeah. It could yeah. be like a take me home tonight style like disaster. So what did you think about the eighties angle of all this? Well, my first thought when I even read what the show was before I watched it was that eighties set things are very hard to make cool especially after the fact when you're trying to like the breakfast club is a cool movie in my opinion because it is so real to what it was like but you can't fake that 25 years later it's hard but i would give this show like good praise for that i think they they did it and they hit so many 80s things like the tennis craze aerobics videos jogging country clubs mm-hmm. um like even my hometown of greenville pa which you've been to had a country club and like doctors went there and guys that I don't know bosses of factories maybe I don't, I can't imagine who needed a country club it was a status symbol right but now it's like a bar and like a public golf course but, right <laughs> but anyway you know all that 80s stuff and the music and um, the clothes the music was pretty accurate I don't think they overdid it there they mentioned rap which I liked yeah I think I think they nothing they offensive yeah nothing like so cringy. Right, and we're aware of it, but it wasn't bad. I they, thought. they weren't like super obsessed with reminding you that we were in the eighties. Yeah, they weren't like talking about Reagan or making it like, <laughs> so like <laughs> whatever you know, cocaine. <laughs> the in the New York Times review of it, they they uh, mentioned this. They said, set in nineteen eighty five, it manages to be of the eighties rather than about them, an affectionate right. and startlingly authentic evocation rather than a satire or a dissection so it's not a satire it is no, very much they're, they're being uh, earnest with it right it is, is very earnest and is very much a coming-of-age story just simply set within a different time period the question i always have with a show like with a setting like this if they're not using the 80s setting to their advantage why is it not set in modern day? Maybe because right. of that like country club angle and because they want it like the extra humor you can derive out of clothing and things like that. But really that only came into play with the aerobics. Like the new possible girlfriend was dressed like as a hipster. <laughs> right. She was from now. There was and she was like um, And that's what makes her appealing. Right. What what's the girl's name? Ali Sheedy from Breakfast Club. That's her now. Right. That was that was it's the her. Ali Sheedy character. The sexy, mysterious vixen, you nameless know, rebel. I'm just gonna get into this right now before I forget. But the, so the whole romantic story is that our main character here is dating like the hottest girl at the country club and seems mm. completely dissatisfied with his life for some reason. As usual, they always do on show. Like He's that like, was something I noticed too. Why is he bummed out? I, I have no idea why he's bummed out. Like, he is playing in a different league at this point. Like, when I saw those two together, first my first thought when I saw that they paired those two together was, oh, that's really refreshing. Like, um, she would be, that, that aerobics instructor that he's dating would be, like, the character he pined after. Right, that he and she would that not be into get. him at all. No, she wouldn't be into him, and I thought it was really neat that they just paired them together right away and kind of went with it and painted them as this very happy couple. But this is the problem I had with the whole situation. So he's with this blonde girl, very beautiful, again, out of his league. Then mm. there's this other super hot brunette girl, also probably out of his league, but another one that seems to have a little bit of a crush on him. But the way they set it up is that they're going to blame the separation of the current couple on the girl. 
because she's most definitely going to cheat on him with Josh Myers's character. Yes, yes, the so photographer. They've already set up the blame. It's not that the kid is already flirting with another girl while he's dating <laughs> right. somebody else that loves him very much. It's that she they had to like throw in that little scene of them talk or of his current girlfriend and Josh Myers talking and then the little glance they exchange because they're setting up a blame passing. Right. <laughs> Which, well, uh, they want to keep him. He's not an anti-hero. They want to make him like this angel type, regular hero, the good guy. Right. They want to make him the good guy so they can't have him be the cheater. She has to cheat first. Right. And then Paul Reiser, not to spoil too much. It doesn't spoil it, but he's sort of then the bad guy-ish. He's not bad, but he's like the, in this episode, he's the foil of the good guy having the perfect life right. for a second. <laughs> right. The central conflict is that... He, Paul Reiser wants to play tennis. This kid's a, a, a as a tennis pro, making nine hundred dollars a week, by the way, which is again more than I made in a month as a graduate assistant in grad school, <laughs> which is pretty fucking wow. solid for nineteen eighty five. Eighty five, yeah. This dude's <laughs> pulling in nine thousand. He's pulling forty five hundo a month as an eighteen year old in nineteen eighty five living at home. Yeah, he could buy some penny candy and some bubblegum with that. I think. No, let me just interject something right here. If okay. That's why this like millennial generation is screwed. Because in 1985, you could be a complete darsh and make it through life, making 4,500 a month, and go pay for college and a car with cash. And now, now we are we are paying off student loans for the next right? 30 years. College cost 5,000 bucks back then. Now that's like what books cost. <laughs> You know. So anyway, that's my rant against baby boomers. I think it's so. <laughs> that was your mini beef of the episode. Mini beef. Sorry, yeah. but yeah, hey, this guy's making a lot of loot for, especially for a kid. And so that conflict is that this kid plays tennis against Paul Reiser. He's the part-time tennis pro, and again, making nine hundred a week somehow. And he kind of lets Reiser back into the game and makes it even, but he ends up winning. So Paul Reiser eventually revealed as being the owner of Red Oaks, which is the club wants to fire him because he doesn't think he's good enough at tennis but he was just taking it easy on him so the end of the episode is them playing again the his um future girlfriend for sure shows up and we find <laughs> out that her dad is paul riser right which sir completes the circle of 80s trope and that's another thing i noticed about the 80s in all these movies and tv shows there seem to be these ridiculously high stakes athletic competitions that would determine <laughs> people's entire lives like all right, Johnson, if you don't beat this prick at golf, the stock's going to tank and you know, <laughs> we'll be in the Great Depression. It's like, okay. So this guy has to beat the owner of a country club and, right. let's say, a 60-year-old man at tennis to keep his job and then eventually, yeah, be with his daughter. Pretty weird. This is, this is my other big question for you. So you, you were okay with the 80s. How were yes. you, How are you with the stoner character? Are we thinking accurate? Are we saying in terms of accuracy? Or? Yeah, we want accuracy. We want... Well, he didn't sell any drugs, so you can't... You know, we can't... He did. He did. He sold a dime bag. How much did he sell it the, for? Not a dime. Probably <laughs> 10 bucks, I guess, in 85, but... So, I mean, what did you think of that character, though? Because it seems like they're setting him up for a bigger role and kind of like a, a friendship role with the main guy. It reminded me a lot of Jonah Hill in... Um, movie with him and michael Sarah. how can i not think super of bad super bad yeah that's the and i think they did a good job that's the immediate impression i got he's like this 
chubby kind of goofball, but you know he's kind of like got a good heart. And the hot chick uh, he wants to hang out with just got broken up. She's the lifeguard, mm-hmm. and the other I guess head guy lifeguard dumped her, so she's all sad. And he gives her a dube and um, treats her <laughs> like a human. So now he thinks he has a chance. I, I think he, it was accurate. He, he doesn't have a shot. I think you know maybe. We'll see. We'll see. His his name is Oliver Cooper, and he is kind of like the poor man's Jonah Hill because he was in that movie Project X, in the uh, in okay. the in the Jonah Hill role. Do you remember that movie at all? Yeah, a little bit. It was like the Todd Phillips one. It was like found footage of a big party, and it was based on that. Oh yeah. It was based on that Australian kid who had like the huge party and got like arrested and caused all the damage and shit. So that was. It was an interesting addition, and the uh, the other tennis pro, his name is uh, Enos Esmer, and he's a Turkish guy, and his character name is Nash. I do have that down in my notes. He looks like a Hitler youth. <laughs> what? All the 80s good guys in movies, <laughs> like the kind of, not good guys, all the villains in like ski movies, tennis movies, all the 80s oh, tropes. Oh, you, you mean the, the guy that breaks up with the... The, the lifeguard. The lifeguard. Yeah. Okay, I'm talking about the guy that plays tennis. The guy that plays tennis along with the main character. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, he's, not, he's a brown man. His na- brown yeah, man. his name is Nash. He does not look like Hitler Youth. Nash, not Nasser. Okay, I was thinking still the lifeguard. Sorry. What, what else do you want to get into on this? Um. Well, just that those 80s bad guys are always blonde hair, blue eyed, like Greek gods, and then they end up. You know, the stoner comes and steals their girl or whatever's supposed to happen in these movies. Like, the B characters, they get, they always get the girl, too. It could be, like, a wet hot, though, where he gets the girl, but then... She it, bounces. Yeah, it comes ba- he comes back to reality. I feel like that's how that stoner character is going to turn out. Well, what else do I want to get into? Um, yeah, I think you're right, too. I would agree with that. I there- think the 80s, again, going back, the only other thing I said was that... Um, I just noticed picking up on little things that everything they showed and mentioned, all the fads, the fitness, again, with tennis stuff. My aunt's basement is like a museum. Like that. <laughs> she, she bought every, like bowling balls. Bowling was very popular in the suburbs in the 80s. Everything just, I think stuff was being shown on TV. It was such a consumer time. That's when our society became obsessed with consumption. Mm-hmm. And there's evidence of it in all of our houses in Western PA of our parents' weird junk. Yeah, that's um, very true. So um, that's accurate. Too. They they do have a couple '80s references. They didn't reference Reagan, but they did reference Boba Fett and the guy from the the man the man with the golden gun. I can't remember what his name is, but it was Wheeler who referenced both of them. I think when they were kind of like hanging out by the golf carts at that party at that very very '80s movieish party. Yeah, where of course there's skinny dipping and just chugging liquor like, you know, <laughs> crazy. Oh yeah, not to mention when he had to beat um Paul Reiser the next day. The night before he was drinking whiskey straight out of a bottle. Right, yeah. Whiskey so, straight out of a bottle. He's a total man for doing that. Total man. I would say that that seems really cool because as soon as Nash tells the character that they're going to have to play in like four hours... You get the scene. They actually lighten the scene like really slightly right when he says that, so it already looks like the sun's kind of rising, and it's kind of you know symbolizing. Oh, I did not notice that dawning on him, but I thought it was just a really nice touch that Gordon Green put in there. Hmm. I'm kind of looking over my notes here. Uh, the now everybody music cue 
I didn't really I didn't really dig that too much. I thought the 80s music cues were a little on the nose at times. Um, I think one of them happened during the second tennis match, and I th- believe there was another one during the party that was just like, come on. <laughs> yeah, right when they went to Skinny Dip is like the beginning of, I know what you mean. It's yeah. like, just get something get something that's not like totally fucking obvious every, <laughs> every single time. I mean, there there was a lot of like really good stuff in the show. There wasn't actually too much that bothered me. If they overdid anything, I will agree that it was the music. But again, it wasn't so bad that it was like, I'll never watch this. Like where it was like Bueller, you know, mm-hmm. so over the top in your face, like Bueller. I know I can't get over that, but I just love it. Uh, he, I say it all the time. I'm walking around work. I'm at the conversation <laughs> like Bueller. That's because it's catchy, though. I guess it's stuck. I'll probably end up watching watching that damn show greatest one greatest thing theme I, song of all time man <laughs> it's pretty catchy um one thing i noticed too um not to change the subject totally but i am glad that in my fatter days it was in the 90s when baggy clothes were popular because if i would have been in the 80s i would have been all like tight clothes, guy man. Chubbs from teen wolf dude like there's no escape when you're wearing a skin tight polo shirt and short shorts to play tennis. Like, there's nowhere to hide. That's not like Jinkos and a 2XL Adidas hoodie. <laughs> yeah, you would have blown those seams right out, man. Sorry. Yeah. It just wasn't a big man's time until the <laughs> 90s. We, we were, like, so mistreated. Until corn came on the scene and you started wearing right. we started wearing jeans with uh, chains, Jinkos, chains and all kinds of shit on them. Well, I needed to fit my roller blades underneath them and my, you know... Did you, when you were growing up, did you do a lot of rollerblading in the 90s and roller <laughs> well, skating? Well, I certainly bought rollerblades. I don't know if I did a lot of using them. I like, wanted, thought about it. In my head, I did. Did you have a rink in your town? No, that was the big cause. Um, we would have benefit concerts with the local Battle of the Bands. I uh, played in one, actually. <laughs> oh, wait. Okay. What was your band name? Um, West Side Laundry. Oh my god. I was the bass player for my it wasn't my band. I was so no, shitty. No, no, you gotta own this shit, man. Um I we actually broke up over artistic differences because I wanted to you can imagine why the reasons why I would join a band, especially in high school, were not musical at all. Um, oh yeah, girls. As, I just wanted, yeah, attention. Not even girl. I just wanted people to look at me and applaud for no reason. You know, it was just you know. So anyway, what, we broke wait, up. wait, hold on, hold on. What genre were you? Hmm. What genre? Um, I would compare us to like. Uh, we were trying to be emo, but I don't think we knew how to play that stuff yet. So we were kind of like. You couldn't put Green Day put... trying to be Mineral, maybe. <laughs> If that makes sense. There was no there was no noodling in your guitars. Your well, guitars. I the guitarist was fine and the drummer was great. And I mean I could do a few little notes on the bass there. We just I don't know, we weren't on the same page. Hmm. The songs were good. I liked the lyrics a lot. The guy, you know, we're still friends and whatnot, but So you you just don't want to trash him on air in the No, there's nothing to trash. I mean we played two sh- one show I will say <laughs> this was maybe the highlight of my life. We played a show at this Christian coffee house. And a guy came up afterwards and was like, you guys got any tapes, man? Oh, and I that's was awesome. Like, mm, no. Wow. We've practiced three times, and this is the third practice. <laughs> I'm but, gonna... you know, it was one of those things. We practiced four times, and two of them happened to be, quote, unquote, shows. But anyway, the big point of that was to raise money to build a skate park in town, which 
it still has yet to happen in Greenville. So this is what I, this is what I was trying to lead to before I got Sorry. off on a tangent of um, yeah. trying We're to get more. On time. We have more, five minutes more left. More information about your band. <laughs> yeah. uh, if they made a show about our generation, like our current, like if they thirty years from now, if they were making a show that set set it in the two thousand tens, what would be like the things they would lean on? What do you uh-huh. think? Like if they were making the Red Oaks for the twenty tens. What what would be like the things that we would look back on and go, oh, that's so stereotypical. We were so much more than uh, Twitter and guns, uh, skinny, skinny, skinny jeans, <laughs> guns and Muslims, guns, Muslims, Obama for sure, um, <laughs> Trump. Wait, wait, this is not a political drama. I know, but I'm saying these are society. These are like topics that when I'm FaceTiming with my lady friend's parents, like they're talking about it. This is like middle America drama, man. Okay. Okay. Um, not all that at once, but they would politics. I would have to think would at least be brought up, if if not to skewer it, just to be like, look how dumb these idiots were. Yeah. And I think the guns, Muslims, Obama, Trump, all that would be maybe on one umbrella they could do, like you they, know, they, they would they would do an episode of um, of Trump coming to the country club to give a speech, right? <laughs> Against Obama, who is a Muslim, so it all comes back to tie together, right? Um, so the Kardashians, would you have to say, are they that cultural? I mean, they've been the whole time. Yeah, the Kardashians would be in there. I think you'd, I think you'd have to do like the social media stuff because everybody's always on social media. Like you have to do like, like the hipster style. Like what's the hipster style that they would skewer? Black glasses, plaid. Right. Yeah. Skinny jeans, Vans. Yeah, uh, I think I could go in on all that. Yeah. I think I own all of those individually. Beards. Beards. Beard, so do I, of course. Everybody I. would have a huge beard, and this would be like 30 years from now, beards will be very, very, a uh, big time no-no for style. Here, here's what I think is weird, too. Think about this for a minute. We all watch things that are 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and we look at it and we say, they are so stupid. But in five years, we're going to all be wearing the shit that is going to be stupid, so why can't we just all agree on the shit to, that's never going to be stupid? You know what I mean? I mean like, like the standard stuff right. that we like, can what wear is the forever. Standard that I mean, unless you're George Clooney, right? What you wear? I mean, like, I would say that like medium-sized jeans will always be standard. Like, like not baggy, not tight. Right, like Levi, like yeah. type looseness of jeans. Where black t-shirt. Yeah, black t-shirts always in style. I think. Um, it's just funny though. Even if you don't make huge changes, you always look back and like, "What a douche!" <laughs> I mean, yeah, I certainly had a bucket hat at one point. I'm not gonna lie. Like hair, beards, all this stuff. We know it, we're gonna look like assholes in ten years, but it's like, man, I'm cool. I'm cool. It's cool now. So when is there gonna be a '90s show? Yeah, there's, I don't, there's no, gotta be I'm, one. We're, we're getting to the point where the '90s have are fully like archived. Twenty years ago, yeah, we know it all now. Like, there's going to be a Red Oaks where they're listening to Nirvana. For sure. Wearing Jinko jeans, which, by the way, need to come back because I need a pair. Here's and the thing, too, though. Doing like, 90s stuff. You're right. In the 90s. But, like, in the, it's hard to make a show, especially about the, the 2000s and the 2010s, because it's so devoid of culturally... There's a ton of culturally relevant and awesome stuff, but nothing like a Nirvana that changed things so much overnight, where you went from new kids on the block to like grunge in a week. Like, like, do, do you think that that's only because we're living in the time? 
Do you well, think no, that's why we have that perspective? Even as a very young kid, I knew like this is different. Like there, it was inherently something I had never. And I mean, I was nine or something. It wasn't like I was some stoner teen getting into the lyrics. It was just right. like felt like the world felt different. There's a lot of stuff that changes the path of what's popular, but not a lot has like touched the world like that. And maybe that's overstating it because I'm some kind of '90s lover. But I mean. It's. I just Th- don't see what we're gonna care about that much. Like, what's a Coldplay? Like, are we gonna care about Chris <laughs> Martin? Like, oh man, Gwyneth Paltrow's diet. Like, give me a break. Like, things drift in and out so quickly because we have so much pop culture yeah. to digest. Yeah, there's and we so have much. so many albums that come out, so many shows to watch, so many movies that it's hard for something to really, really stick. Like even something like Avatar which was like a huge thing in that year and stuck out and was up for Oscars and made all this money. People don't give a shit about it now. Right. And things have no shelf life. And that might be the problem of like We're in the latching moment. onto something. For like, like everything's happening. Right. Yeah. Sorry. With no. technology, everything's happening now. Even if I watch a show of the doors from 1970, I'm watching it on YouTube now. So it feels like it's now like I'm right. consuming it today. It'll be interesting to see, like when we're old and gray and hopefully not dead, how they kind of attack our generation. I would, yeah. I would, before we wrap up here, because I know we're yeah, we're at, right about thirty. I would say that um, I, I want to mention real quick that Amy Heckerling also directs a few episodes. If you watch this series on, and uh, she directed Fast Times at Ridgemont High, so I think that's a good choice to handle the female characters. So watch out for her directed episodes. I think David Gordon Green directs a couple more. Again, I didn't see his his print on this at all it seemed pretty standard comedy fare Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe there's a couple standout scenes like when they first introduced the country club but uh last question would are you going to continue watching this or would you want to i want to watch this there are 10 episodes out now on amazon and i will go through and watch all 10 i'm gonna play it for courtney my girlfriend and see if it catches and then she'll want to watch them so I'll, i'll let her make the choice I think it'll be cool. I liked it. <laughs> All right, Grimes. Well, thank you for joining me as always. Thank you. Um, happy holidays to everybody who's listening to this. This should come out sometime Dece- or late December, early January. So I hope everybody had a good holidays or is going to have a good holidays. Indeed. And uh, yeah, pilot study episode seven. And let's leave you with a little clip from the show. Your grades, they have to become better. I still passed. Barely. A C isn't barely passing. A C is a Jewish F. Sweetie. Butchie. Dude, what are you doing here? I'm the new assistant tennis pro. This is my boyfriend, David. Hey, buddy. Barry here is a freelance photographer. I've been trying to convince Goldilocks here to pose for me sometime. <laughs> nice to meet you, Doug. David. Big whoop. AV Club, shout us out. I think, I think they're waiting for us to get into double digits. What do you think? I think so. I mean, you got to get on that radar. Some hipster has to like you. We'll have to get it like some blog, some like modern vinyl, for example. We, we got to get at least three to four people from Brooklyn to listen to this.